Hello everyone, this is Pastor Bill Dempsey with Family Bible Church. We'll begin this week's message in just a few moments, but before we do, I want to take just a couple seconds of your time to make sure that you know that we would love to have you join us for worship services any Sunday, 10 a.m. at Highland Middle School right here in Highland, Illinois. Now why am I telling you this? Well, we know for a fact that there are many people listening to these messages online and we are thrilled with that fact. Our prayer actually is that God would use these sermons to draw you closer to the truth and a relationship with His Son and our Savior Jesus. And we believe God can do just that. On the other hand, we also know that it's vitally important that each person be involved in a local church community. There are many things that happen on Sunday mornings, not just the preaching of the Word, and they're all important. For this reason, we hope that you're involved in a local church, and if you are, Praise God, we're excited about that. But if you're not, remember, we'd love to have you join us any Sunday. Uh, we're going to get right into it this morning here. We've been, we're in the middle of this. I, I do want to give you a little heads up here on the next few weeks. Um, you know, we're quickly, uh, Easter's what, three weeks away, right? It's coming really quickly. And uh, I kind of wanted to give you um, a heads up about what's coming with that too. We're in this middle of a series called Life in, in Christ. And it's based on the book of 1 John, right? And I hope you've been reading that with us as we've been studying it and, and, and hearing what God has to say to us about what our life in Jesus should look like. I mean, if, how you know that you're in Christ is found in this book. This is, this is what we can use as kind of a litmus test for our own life as we self-examine where we are. And so I hope you've been doing that. And it's a really short book if you haven't read it, uh, 1 John. As a matter of fact, if you want to go ahead and uh, find that in your Bible, it's, uh, it's on page 844. If you didn't bring a Bible today, grab one on the chair. And you can just flip open to 844 and stick your finger there. We're going to get back to that in a second. But I'll go ahead and uh, turn there now. Um, but I want to give you a heads up on the next few weeks what's coming. Because I think what we're going to do is um, uh, next week we are blessed to have uh, Corey bringing the word. And he's going to bring it from 1 John as well. And, uh, and then we're going to, I think, take two weeks off of the series because we're going we're gonna to have Palm Sunday and then we're going to have Easter. And, you know, in the church tradition, that's called Holy Week. And I'm just, you know, feeling compelled that we should stop and observe Holy Week as a, as a body of believers, you know. And so we'll do some cool stuff with that and just kind of worship this time that all the stuff that we proclaim as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, is about Easter you know, because if, if it weren't for Easter, Jesus would be just another good guy, a, a, another wise man, another, you know, intellect. I mean, I don't know what he would have been, but because of Easter, he's God. And that's a whole other category. And Christianity is the only faith that proclaims that truth. And that's what we proclaim at Family Bible Church. So I just thought it would be really good if we just kind of took a break and went to uh, Palm Sunday, Easter, just kind of have a time of worship and, and remembering this journey that Jesus took to the cross for you and for me. And then we'll probably jump back into First John on the backside and keep continuing through the scripture. Does that sound okay to everybody? If you have a problem, come talk to me about it. I'm really open to input. <laughs> so I would love that. But I really think that it's, it, it's going to be a good thing to do. And, and uh, you know, I pray God is honored through it. That's what we pray for here at Family Bible Church. So right now we're in the middle of a series called Life in Christ, and it's again just a way that we can examine ourselves in Jesus, right? We talk about that a lot. We talk about believing in Jesus and talk about following Jesus and talk about being a disciple of Jesus. And John has written this letter, and you remember it comes after the gospel that he wrote about how to become a believer in Jesus. So the gospel of John, it's a little fatter than this first letter of John, was written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what his word says. That you might believe. That's why John wrote 
the gospel, the good news of John. But then John wrote this letter to the churches, and he said, hey, listen, church, do you want to know if you're in Christ? Do you want to know what you have in Christ? Let me tell you about life in Christ. And so that's what we're talking about as a church here uh, over these several weeks in, in the scripture. I do want to remind you again, the threefold purpose of 1 John. I just want to keep saying this to you so you hear it, and we'll continue on uh, studying the word together. But the threefold purpose, as stated by John, is that his joy and our joy may be filled. So the purpose of this book is to give us joy overflowing in Christ. That's why. If you know what you have in Jesus, you will be a joyful person. And, and then second, that we might not continually sin. Because just because we know Jesus, we still fall short. We still sin. And what John says is, we ought not to continually sin. We ought to not continually see the same things. And because of the grace that Jesus has shown us, make that rubber stamp to do, be okay to do it. So he writes this book, he says himself, so that you may not continue in sin. And the third purpose he says is so that you might know that you already have life forever. And you know, Dan talked about a little earlier today in his own story. There's these times of life that kind of give us gut checks about what we believe and what we think of the whole story. Not for today or tomorrow or the few weeks or a few months or a few years, but an eternal story about who we are in Jesus Christ. And that's what John writes this book for. He says, it's written so that you might know that you already have life forever. And that's good news as well. So those are the three things that this letter intends to convey to us. Uh, I want to I go through this quickly here. But so far we've discussed this need to walk in the light. And we're gonna, I'm bringing it up today because we're going to go back to it where we're at in the text today. So this need to walk in the light as he is in the light, right? And then the second is that we have to admit, acknowledge, this being in the light has an implication that we have to acknowledge our own sinfulness. And we talked about what that means. We have to, to, to confess the truth to God. We talked about truth being without lie. To lay ourselves bare before the God who created us. The word says what? If you don't do that, you only deceive yourself. You don't deceive God. God can't be deceived. You only deceive yourself. So we seek to be a people as those found in Jesus. We seek to be a people who are laid bare before the God who made us. We have nothing to hide from him. He knows us. And when we can lay those lies out, when we can open up those non-truths, God begins to work and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so we find that also, that we admit our sinfulness before God, trusting him to forgive it, trusting him to redeem it even. And then last week we talked about what it means to know Jesus. And we even said, what the word said is that it means to obey what he commands and it means to look like Jesus but I want to kind of walk a fine line here because this doesn't mean that you go out and you make the Jesus rules. What it means is that Jesus has rules that he lived by and we can look at our lives and say, are we more or less like that? We aren't creating a new law to follow. We are following the one who fulfilled the law. We're following the one who was perfect. And so he becomes our new measuring stick. Not the do's and don'ts list you can think up in your head, right? So he becomes the the measure by which we live our lives and we can then see if we are in Christ by seeing if we are more or less like Jesus. And so coming around the heels, and that was right at the beginning of, of chapter 2, coming around the heels of this um, need to be like Jesus, to look like Jesus, 
we heard it said that you had to obey his commands. And now this is going to get to the heart of this book. And Rick, I really appreciated what you shared a moment ago. And Dan, what you shared already today is spot on. You know, God has, you, do you believe God has a plan for these services that we have? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I mean we get together and, and we talk, but you know, there's weeks, you know, it's been a crazy week this week. God has a plan for these times that we have together in his word. And he has a plan, and when you're in the word with other groups of people too, he has a plan for you to hear him speaking to you. And I pray you've come today to hear that. I believe that. We've been talking about these things. Um, this great command he's going to talk about. So I'm just going to read the text here with you. It's going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11 we're covering today, right? And I want to read it together, and I just want to talk through it together. Just, just listen to what the word is saying to us. It says, Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message that you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing, and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates his brother, is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. And so John begins to talk about this, this new thing, this old thing, this thing that we ought to know, right? And I just want to step through here a little bit because it's interesting. The first thing that John is talking about here is he says, Dear friends, I'm going to write to you, an, I'm not writing a new command, but an old one. Okay? And this comes right on the heels of him saying, look like Jesus. Do what Jesus said. And he says, I'm going to write to you about an old command, Right? Matter of fact, you'll see right there, it says, which you have heard, you have had since the beginning. Look at the first line of this book, 1 John. That which was from the beginning. Remember, we talked about how when he opens this letter, he's talking about the eternal God. He's talking about Jesus, the eternal God. From the very beginning of all things, he's proclaiming a truth about it. And here he says again, this command that you have had, you have had from the very beginning. The same thing. He's claiming a truth that transcends what we know of time, what we know it to be. So there's a, there's a parallel there. And we know that when we... In verse 1, 1, he says, that which was from the beginning, he means Jesus was from the beginning. But here he says, the command that you had from the beginning, that you've always had this command. So Jesus was from the beginning himself. But what's interesting here is that this command that we're going to hear from John was also from the very beginning. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this morning, and this is going to be a little interactive. We've got to get woke up anyway because we're all tired from that lack of, lack of an hour last night. But who knows what the Shema is? Shema. S-H-E-M-A. Shema, right? Shema is found in, yeah, a few of you are kind of, you're, you're embarrassed. You don't want to be a Bible nerd and raise your hand in church, you know. Listen, it's in Deuteronomy, and it's the key text for Israel. It's in Deuteronomy. I don't know what the verses are, to be honest with you. But it, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What else does it say? Yeah, right? 
I mean, and, and it says, that says, teach your children to obey every command that he gives you as you walk along the road and as you sit down and as you sleep and as you wake. Why does God say that to Israel? I'll tell you, because we're so forgetful. We forget so easily. And the word Shema means remember. Remember God that was from the beginning. Remember what you're called to do. Teach it to your children all the time. And I think the same is true here. When John's writing this, you know, he's going to say, uh, dear children to us, dear children to us. He's trying to teach us something that was from the beginning. Don't forget the command that we're called to live out in Christ. So it's the same kind of thing here. John's reminding us, he's saying, remember that old command. Now, I want to see what it says next here in the Bible. I want you to read with me. I want to engage critically with Scripture for a moment. Let's read. Here's what it says. This old command is the message you have heard, right? Verse 8, follow with me. Yet I am writing you a new command. Huh? <laughs> what, what was that? Listen to what the word says. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. What? Do you guys even see that kind of stuff? I mean, I read that. I reread it. And I thought, what are you talking about, John? What are you trying to say here? I, I'm not going to write a new command, but an old one. Now, here's a new command. <laughs> Why? Why would he say that? If it, you've had it from the beginning, why is he saying it's new? Why is it new? Let's read on. Yet I am writing a new command. Look at what it says. Its truth is seen in him. Who's the him? Jesus. That's right. Its truth is seen in Jesus and in you. The command is new because of Jesus, right? It is a new command. It's the same command that God made from the beginning, but in Jesus, it's being fulfilled. It's been fulfilled in Jesus. Perfectly fulfilled, this command. And so he says, I'm not writing you an old one, but a new one, yet I am writing a new command. It's truth, it's truth, lack of lies, the absolute purity of it. I know it now, I've seen it now, and when I seen it, I saw it in Jesus himself. Does that make sense? He's saying, do you remember when we were kids? Do you remember when we were kids and, and our parents said, you know, to do this and to do it and to do it? And he kept, he kept telling us. John goes, I finally saw it done perfectly. I've seen the command fulfilled. We saw it in him. Fair enough. We saw it in Jesus. We all go, amen, right? Amen. We saw it in Jesus perfectly. Perfectly fulfilling it. And... John says, I've seen it fulfilled in you. Huh? That's kind of crazy. John's saying, it's begun already. I'm writing you this new command because the lack of lies is seen in him, Jesus Christ, and is seen in you now because you're in Christ. Why? Because the darkness is passing and the light is already shining. Isn't that a beautiful text? You know, sometimes we can get hopeless. We can get lost. We can get desperate. And John says to us, this light has already begun to shine. 
It's already started. And we didn't start it. Jesus did. He brought this time of light. You know what I mean? He brought it into being. And in him we have it. We begin to see this command. We begin to understand this command that we're going to fulfill in Jesus. He says the true light is already shining. I want to stay one more minute on this idea of this truth. You know, earlier, I, I'll confess something to you right now. You know, earlier when we were worshiping and I want the Spirit to take control of our space and our minds so badly. And I know that God wants the same, but you know what the problem is? We're disobedient. We're disobedient about it. When God speaks, we ought to listen. You know, and He's endlessly patient with us. But there was a time earlier when we were doing that worship set that I kept hearing the words from John 4. There comes a time when true worshipers, the lack of light worshipers, will worship in spirit and in truth. God says, speak that to somebody today. Do we listen? Do we obey when we hear those things? Our prayer, my prayer is that we're getting better. My prayer is that I'm getting better at being obedient when God speaks. I don't know if you sense that in your own life. I pray that you do. I pray that you do hear him commanding you to do things for his people. Well, so we have this idea that... that um, I'm completely lost. Now, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> that is, this truth has been seen in Jesus and in us, in his disciples, those who are following him. And he's seen it lived out perfectly. And even seeing it now lived out amongst us, right? Now, here we're going to get into the command. And the, the rest of this book's going to spend a lot of time talking about this very thing. And I think it's because we can't get it right. We keep messing this up. And, you know, Rick kind of alluded to it earlier. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is full of darkness, right? And whoever loves his brother lives in the light. So if you just follow the logic, it says this light is already dawning and, and the darkness is passing. And I want you to see if the darkness that is passing is hate for his brother. That's the darkness. You see it says in the light, but hates his brother is still in darkness. That's the darkness. And whoever loves his brother lives in the light because there's nothing in him to make him stumble. So the light that's coming is love for our brothers, and the darkness is passing is hate for our brothers. And that's what the word says. And so we can talk about these two words today. And I want to tell you, it's been a, it's, it's been a, pretty, a pretty crazy week. But this first word is fun to talk about. We talk about it all the time. We say, God is love, right? Love. And this particularly says, love your brother. That's what the command is. This great command that, that John says we had from the beginning is to love your brother, that was it. And what, what John says about loving our brothers and our sisters, by the way, is that he saw it perfectly fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Whenever he saw Jesus walk, he saw it perfectly fulfilled. You remember who John is? John's the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's why he refers to himself, the beloved one. He laid back at the Last Supper. He climbed in his master's chest. And this is the one that when he saw Jesus' life, the end of the day, what it was that he loved everybody he met. Now, some of you are going to say, well, I don't know. I've read some scripture, and he's pretty hard on some people. That's because we don't know what love is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean we, we want love to be like a soft, squishy. I know I do. I want that soft, squishy, easy love. I want the, the greeting card, cute heart, Cupid arrow love. 
I want the stuff that comes in chocolate boxes and it's always good and easy and fun and it makes us, you know, unhealthy and, you know what I mean? And God says, that's not love. I'm going to show you real love. And John says, in Jesus' life, in his every interaction with anyone, he saw love perfectly fulfilled. Do you believe that? Every person that Jesus encountered, he loved without exception. He loved them. So that's, that's cool. Now, I, I will throw out one Greek word today. It's agape. By the way, agape fest has come up at Greenville College. You know, they still have the Bible. It means God's love. And um, agape means the love that, that God gives. The love that we have in Jesus Christ. The word says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world. That's agape. That's how much he loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. You see? And surprisingly here, whenever John says you should love your brother, he says you should agape, agape your brother. This love we should have for each other should be the same love that God has for us. Now why is that a big deal? I'll tell you. In our language, we have love, 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 and love, right? I've heard it said that you can love your wife, you can love your car, and you can love tacos for supper. What? Those all, and you can love God. Those are all the same? And in Greek, they're not the same. In Greek, this agape love is this pure, holy, beautiful, sacrificial, God-honoring love that redeems everything. That's agape love. In the scripture, eros is that love you have for that special somebody. You know? That's what the Greek says. That's a different kind of love. In the scripture, love is philos. That's that love we have for a brother or sister. That, that brotherly love. You might have heard of Philadelphia, right? That's where it comes from. Philos in the Greek. So you have different words for the same, that we've made them all one thing called love, and, and we're all confused about what love means. We're all confused about it. And by the grace of God, if you watch Jesus, if you dream with Jesus, he will start, start to show you true love. It's a powerful thing. So he says here, this new command is to love one another, right? Th to get the same agape, the same love that God gave to us to give it to others, to show it towards others. But here's the problem with this week, this week and why this week was so hard for me. Because the next thing, well, actually, before he even says love, and see, I jumped ahead. I was just, I wanted to get to the love so badly, I skipped over the what? I skipped the hate, you know? I, I tell you what, this word is ugly. This word's ugly. Can I say I hate this word? <laughs> I don't like it. It makes me itch. I didn't want to put it up here today. I wanted to scrawl it out, you know. I wanted to cover it up. I wanted to, I wanted to mask over it. I didn't want to admit to it. The word says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. And, and it's just this putrid, rank, disgusting thing. And the word confesses that so many of us live right in the middle of it. You know, it's, it's, uh, the word is like full of, you could just say it, it changes things, doesn't it? You go like, get out, you don't belong here. This isn't your space, this is God's space. There's no hate here. 
But the problem is, I think the reason we react so strongly to it is we can feel it welling up in us. The word says, if you hate your brother, you're lost in darkness. I got to tell you the truth. The minute this came into the sermon this week, my whole week went south. I was just in a bad mood. I was crabby, the kids, and I mean, everything. It just got really bad because I thought, I don't want to be there. And I wanted, to, I wanted to strike it. You know, if I could cut one thing out, I would just like to cut it out of the Bible and leave it out. I don't want to talk about hate. But God does. Why? Because he loves us. And he says, this isn't the way. This isn't my way to live. So we've talked about this before about love and the opposite of love. And I don't know if you remember, but what would you say the opposite of love is? Anybody? Want to venture a guess? I've said it before that the opposite of love is apathy. I didn't think that up. Some smart guy did like way back hundreds of years ago. I read it in a book and I was like, wow, I never thought about it. I thought the opposite of love was hate. The opposite of love is apathy. But apathy is kind of like the most pure form of, of, of hatred or, you know. Um, but I thought, you know, if, if this is what the word says here, I want you to read it with me again. Anyone who claims to be in the light, this is going to be very reminiscent of what we've been reading already with, if you say you know Jesus, but you don't, you know, obey him, you're a liar. And if you say you walk in the light, but you still walk in the darkness, you're a liar. Well, here it's going to say, anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates his brother, is still in the darkness. And whoever loves his brother lives in the light. And there's nothing in him to make him stumble. And so I want to spend a few minutes, and we can start on either side of this equation, but I want us to think as a community this morning, and aren't you glad you got out of bed for this? I want us to think together about what this really looks like then. We're going to create a chart, and if you got an engagement sheet, I gave you a little kind of a, a line like this, and you can write these out. But I didn't give you any answers. I want to know, so let's describe either one of these two. Let's say, and you're going to take a risk here this morning, what do you think something you would say is love? Or what do you think something you say is hate? Anybody have anything? Okay, putting someone's interest before your own is love. Okay. So if we can write that, and you can feel free to write that on, on your card if you have a pen and you've got a card this morning, you can write that on your, you know, others' interests, right? So what would the, what would the opposite then be? If this becomes the standard, what would it be? Yeah, me first. Self-interest, right? Uh, who else has one? Anybody? Let's not get too heavy. Let's think about some things. Um, I, I mean, I'm having a hard time because I'm up here and I don't want to lead it too much, but, you know, I'm thinking about, there's some things that go in both categories. One thing that came to mind uh, for me, we talked about in our family group, that's probably why, is name-calling, Right? But you know, the truth is that that can, that can, what's the difference between hateful name-calling and loving name-calling? Dale Compton. What's the difference? Huh? Your motivation? Yeah, maybe what you're speaking. So, so if, you're, if, you're, if you're speaking negative words, if you're speaking things that are to, to destroy, to bring down, to harm, to hurt, Right? It, would, it goes in this. But if you're speaking to build up, to edify, to encourage, to prod on, 
It goes in this category. It's the same action. By the way, you know, I've heard it said before, love is an action, right? And we talked about hate or, or we talked about apathy as being lack of action. But you know, hate is an action too, isn't it? You have to do something to hate somebody. That's why they're more, more closely related than we like to admit. Anybody else? Anything else that you have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So over here, and this is what we're talking about, this life and the light, it goes in this category then, right? And then darkness or, or that desire that we have to hide from the light, to have our secret pleasure, to have, we call them guilty pleasures, right? To have our little secret stash, our stuff that we think nobody knows about unless we admit the truth that God knows everything and then we know God knows about it and that's kind of a big deal. It goes in that other category, darkness, living in that darkness, Anyone else have anything? Okay, and so forgiveness goes where, would you say? In love. So you're saying forgiveness goes here. So what would that mean that goes over here? Grudges. Yeah. Anyone else have anything? This exercise becomes, I think, again, that we, we want a certain, we want love to be this flowery, you know what, I, one thing I thought of? I think truth. Truth goes in this category. Truth always goes in this category. Truth never lives here. It doesn't live there. Feeling good. Right. Well, let's ask this question. Yeah, Freddie. Respect. See, now we're putting words together, right? Respect and disrespect. We're defining things by what they're not and what they are, right? Yeah, I want to get back to your question, though. Feeling good. What is, what is the word, what is the purpose of the, the first purpose of the book of First John? Yeah. Right. To make your joy complete. Yes, sir. Was that the spirit moving, Lance? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> accountability is going to go where? Oh, really? Yeah. It, you'd put it in the love category, wouldn't you? Now, wait a minute. Accountability, does that always feel good? No. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it's hard. But it's love. And what would go in the hate category? A lack of accountability. To stand idly by while we watch a brother or sister go right down the drain and say we love them. Yeah. But it's, but is it, it's, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of hateful, isn't it? I mean, you don't think of it that way. I love them too much to tell them the truth. You don't love them enough to tell them the truth. It's hard. This idea of happiness. Happiness. I want to take just a second here to talk about where, where I think we dwell as a culture right now, okay? And then we're going to press back into the word here. But I think 
I've noticed a pattern developing in our culture, and it's this. If you want something done, tell someone what's in it for you, what's in it for them. And if I can convince you that it's good for you, then you'll do it no matter what it means for anybody else. Because it's good for me. And so the me motivation in our culture that we've already said is a hateful motivation becomes the core principle that we live by. At the end of the day, if it's good for me, it's good for me. And if enough me's get together, then we'll, you know, that's what we're going to do. And I, I just think that there's something telling in that that we aren't willing to admit to. Accountability is hard. Love is hard, you know? And I think that, and we do it, I just want to admit to you that it's hard to do. And it's, I don't have it figured out. And I pray by the grace of God, brothers and sisters, you and I, it says the light is already dawning among you, among us. It's already happening. And my hope for our journey together is that we can be people of the light and people of the truth and people of love. And that means a lot of things, but it means that we're going to have to struggle together to do it. Does that make sense? It's going to have to be, where does this go in? I'm afraid that too often we put things in this category that are really, God says is not, doesn't belong there. I'll give you a few examples from Jesus' own life. I was thinking earlier when I said that, Jesus loved everybody, but we saw him speak out against the Pharisees, didn't we? we said, he, he said, you brood of vipers to the most holy men of his day. Was that hate speech? Was that him hating them? It was love. He's like, you don't even know the Father. And yet you run around claiming you know him. These are places that we can stand with Jesus ourselves. And you know, part of this worship experience is the celebration, and I mean that, this being caught up. I love our time together on Sundays. That we get together and we sing and we praise and we teach and the children back and we, we have coffee and donuts and we love each other. We hug on each other and that's really good stuff. And there's times in our time here that God just, this word just cuts both ways. And God says, I'm not satisfied with you where you are right now. I'm not, I'm not done with you, as maybe a better way to say it. Because it's not about us pleasing him but it's about us growing in Jesus Christ. And this word cuts both ways when we leave here sometimes feeling like, oh, that hurt. Oh, you know, you got to walk it off for a few days. That's why I leave here sometimes with the Lord. You know what, though? That's a good model. And the Bible is full of people who encountered the living God and left, changed, transformed. So this love that God has goes beyond it. I want to put, if you're writing this down, I want you to put one other thing in this category right here because I, I think we can make up our own stuff and that's a dangerous thing. 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul writes, love is, love is. And it would be a fun exercise for you in your own time if you wanted to, to write down the attributes of what Paul says love is here and then write down the antithetical here and see which, what, what, what does our life look like in that? Love is patient, love is kind. You know, um, and it goes on and on. It, write them down and just think through those. By the way, what's the word say? It says God is love. And everything else, we're going to talk about that coming up in First John, is not of God. Here's the thing about God's love for us. 
And I think whenever we hear John write this, he says, I have seen it fulfilled. The light is dawning. I've seen this new command. It's new because of Jesus. He says, I've seen it done. And he's seen it done because the love of Jesus Christ never cops out. It never takes you halfway there. And I want to tell you, church, the world is full of challenges for us out there. I mean, it just is. And it doesn't mean, you know, we're going to talk about the world is passing away and all that stuff, but God is redeeming the world. God is doing his business out there in our lives, and we sometimes don't think that's true. But it's hard work. But Jesus will never leave you 75% of the way to, the, to where he's taking you. And I really want you to own that today, and I want to own it myself, that we have to know that the God that we follow in Jesus Christ is the God who finishes his work in our lives. He never quits. He never bails out on us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. It's not in his job description. It's not in his ability. It's not who he is. He just doesn't do it. And so when we get into these times of our lives where the water is rough and the seas are raging around us and you think, surely this is it. Surely I'm going to die. I want you to know that in that place, your Savior Jesus is right beside you saying, we will make it across. This is agape. This is the love that God has for us. The bottom line is, this thing of love is totally, completely, and ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, right? Jesus showed us how to do it. And every day that we live in him, that we live in Christ, that we're conformed to his image, to the image of the one who made us, we should be more or less like him. We will be more or less like him. So the question that we ask is, are we doing that? There's no such thing as maintaining. I've come to believe that you're either growing in love or growing in hate. And I stand today as one who say that I see it in my own life come up and I just go, where did that come from? What is in me that's that hateful? God, I don't want that anymore. Make me more like Jesus. Dan said praying dangerous prayers, church. Dangerous prayers. Because he will. And we're either going to be growing in love and growing in all the things that love is and all the attributes that love is, or we're going to be growing in hate and there's no status quo. There's no maintaining the boat. There's no, let's just take it easy until this is all over. You're either going to grow in love or you're going to grow in hate. You're either, you know what I mean? You're going, you're, you're going up, you're sliding down, and there's this way it is. And in Jesus, we're growing in love. This is the big deal of Jesus Christ on the cross is that he didn't just say these words to his disciples. He didn't just say, greater love has no man than this that he would lay down his life for his friends. It wasn't a theory or an idea or a philosophy, but the Savior that we claim to hold took every step on the road to Calvary. He bore the burden all the way there. And the word says, bear your cross daily. And if you find yourself today dragging this cross towards the hill, that you would say, ultimately it will be my death. Surely you're not going to leave me here to die. Jesus says, keep going. It's beautiful. The truth about love is it's always about the other person. 
God the Father loves God the Son. God the Son loves God the Spirit. God the Spirit loves God the Father. And they're always loving each other. They never love themselves in that way. They never are concerned with, am I, do I love myself? It's, do I love you? Do I love you? I love you so much. And in this act of love, Jesus, our Savior, went to the cross to pay a price that we couldn't pay for our sins. And I think that if we dare to say on this journey, and I've been there, church, myself, why would you bring me here to die? And Jesus says, you ain't even close. I went all the way. In this place of sacrificial love, in this place of agape, we find new birth. We find the new kingdom, the new creation. We find a whole world that we didn't know existed. We were so afraid of dying. And so I just want to encourage you today that in Jesus, we have the fulfillment of this law on the cross. And if you don't know that today. If you don't know the great extent that he went to, this is more than a Sunday school message. This is more than just an idea or something. That Jesus, the Son of God himself, came to live perfectly, love perfectly, perfect example, and then die perfectly to save you. I pray today you would receive it as truth in your life. I pray you would quit striving and struggling to get it on your own, and you would just trust him, and you would say, you did it. And I accept and receive the love of God today. And for the rest of us, it becomes this idea of, are we living this way? Are we buying the culture that says, worry about yourself and let our bells take care of themselves? I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to do a final worship song today. And we're going to wrap up a little different. But I'm going to invite you just to worship in, in the last song. And, and uh, I'm going to pray as they, as they come up right now. So Father God, today we thank you so much for what Jesus did for us on the cross at Calvary. Every step, I can't imagine how hard it was to take for him. Because it was more than a walk down a road. It was more than a human death. It was more than he wasn't going to have this or that anymore. Get to love his disciples anymore. It was the ultimate sacrifice to you. It was the ultimate showing of love because every step, Lord, we confess, was filled with our sin. Every time the nail was driven into my Savior's hand, it was my sin. And so today, Lord, I pray that that sacrifice would not be for nothing. I pray that as your people, we would be courageous enough to continue to walk toward you. And I pray that in those places, we would find you waiting with eternal life. You are so good. And that's our confession as your children. You've been so faithful. Have your way in hearts and minds. We ask during this time, Father, as we respond today in worship to you. Amen.